guys doing good? Man, it just feels good in the room. You know, when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, which is what I'm preaching about, it fell on less people than in this room. Like maybe half the people in this room. Those people, those people changed the outcome of the world, not because they were special, but because the Spirit was special. And they made themselves available. But you've got to be in the upper room when the Holy Spirit falls. And I think that this is like the upper room. Obviously, it's not the upper room because you're at the basement level right there. But if you're not here, you don't get it. And at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. Now, it's going to jam up the aisles and the altar and all of that. But I'm going to say, like, if you don't get out, I don't think you get it. Because it, before you can spill into the street in the power of the Holy Spirit, you got to get out of your seat. you got to be there expectantly waiting, pulling the Spirit down. So, um, yeah. Uh, I'm Pastor Corey. Hi, everybody. Sorry, this is Pastor Aaron. Uh, we'd love to meet you out in the lobby. Are you clapping for me? That's hilarious. Um, we love being your pastors, by the way. Our family moved here about seven years ago. We started the church uh, over six years ago now. And uh, it's amazing what God has done. I thought you quit playing there. Right? Can you guys say hi to Sean? He's an introvert and just loves that sort of thing. He'll come up with a comeback about three tomorrow morning. Um, no, I love Sean. Sean's my accountability partner, just a close friend of mine. So, um, We also did away with the center aisle, if you didn't notice. And so I've been doing the laps around to get here. So Scott's just trying to get more chairs in here. And so um, anyways, yeah, good problems to have, everybody. Um, also, next week is Pizza with Pastors. If you've never s- sat and had like a meal with us, uh, we'd love to talk to you about the church a little bit and just like tell you how we started, what, what we think is for. And we'd love to see you and get to meet you and uh, meet your kids. Uh, so that's next week after the third service about, what, 12.45? Okay, 12.45 is when that happens here. Free pizza. If you don't know anybody there, just grab somebody with a name tag and say, would you come and eat free pizza? And I will pay for them to have free pizza too. So that's great. Um, there's also a dream team party that I can't tell you about quite yet because it's not quite confirmed. Scott's haggling over price. And so, um, but it is so cool. You got to join the dream team. Uh, before December happens, you got to join the dream team because we have a dream team party that is going to rock your world and rock your kid's world as well. So if Scott stops haggling over price and gets us what we want. Okay. Um, today's sermon is called training wheels uh, off training wheels off. This is our fourth in the Holy spirit uh, series. Did you see my shirt by the way? It's a Holy spirit shirt. I was in uh, Sully's with uh, Joel from church, and he's like, I saw this shirt. I, I'm going to give it to you. I looked at the price tag. I'm like, are you sure? And he said, I want to give it to you. And so uh, anyways, so it is, he's like, you should wear it for this series. And I'm like, yes. Do you have any other clothes that I could? No. Um, <laughs> Acts chapter 8. I'm just kidding. It was super generous. Uh, Acts chapter 8. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now, this is Peter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you like the moment of Pentecost and what Peter does. And he's a beautiful butterfly now. But this is a few chapters later. And Peter and John are sent to them. Pre-spirit Peter, you don't send out to Samaria. And I'll explain. They sent Peter and John to them because the word of God came to Samaria. Now, I have heard this from some of you in the last few weeks. I'm new to church. I don't know anything about the Bible. And I feel like an idiot because I don't. I'm going to say, well, how would you if you didn't grow up in church? 
So you are, look, half of you don't know anything about the Bible because you're new to church. It's okay. You can catch up. It's, okay. it's totally great. I grew up in Sunday school. I knew the stories. You know, Scott and Renee, when they started coming, they didn't know nothing about nothing. They still don't know nothing about nothing. But you can catch up if you lean in. You can catch up and surpass people who've been sitting in church for 30 years and have done nothing. So all the Bible stories are great until it's not changing anybody's life. And so I just want to encourage you, don't even worry about that. Like, just catch up. Read, get on version. Join Venue Church on version and read the Bible. So this is Samaria. And the reason I say this is the word of God went to Samaria. You're like, well, what does that mean? The Samaritans, you remember um, Jonah and Nineveh that I was preaching about? The Assyrians, the most brutal culture of their day, like crazy insane. Like, don't ever look up what they used to do to people. The Assyrians actually took over Samaria and the Samaritans were a mix of Assyria and Jews. And the real Jews, let's say the real church people hated them because they were a mix. And so you might come in, you might not be like a church person. You might've done some stuff and we're like, we don't even care because the word of God still went to Samaria and Peter and John went with the Holy Spirit. When they had come, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. It's the first thing they did. They didn't teach about anything else. They didn't be like, hey, you guys are crazy. Your theology's a little off. They didn't correct them. Didn't take up an offering. They're just like, hey, let's get you the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. He had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Only. See, some churches, they teach like, once you get the Holy Spirit, that's it. That's all the Holy Spirit that you need. Well, they apparently... That would disagree with the Bible. So that makes that bad theology. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you're like, the name of Jesus is enough for me. I heard people say this all the time. Like, I don't need anything more. The name of Jesus, I got enough Holy Spirit. And Jesus is like, no, you don't. You can't just say yes to like two-thirds of the Trinity. Right? That's like limiters on car engines and stuff. Why are we doing that? And nobody lives forever. <laughs> then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And today afterwards, we're going to give you a chance to get out of your seat and receive the Holy Spirit. And have the, if you need more Holy Spirit, I don't have enough Holy Spirit. I'd be the first at the altar, you know. I want my kids to be like, hey, dad's not all that and a bag of chips. I keep using that. Like, he's at the altar, man. Like, he's a, he's a bit of a mess. We see him at home, but he's going to get more of the Holy Spirit. And that's, I want to re- them, the next generation, to reflect that. My need of God. And uh, if a prayer team comes by you and just puts their hand on your shoulder, they're not being creepy. They're just being family. So when you, when you touch your kids, you're blessing your kids, you know. If anybody's, like, rubbing your back, that's a little creepy. They're, 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 not, they're not with us. So just look, look for that name tag, everybody. <laughs> like, hey, what's up? You know, the real good huggers are the ones who, like, hug you and then they hold it. And then they do the little, like, what's up? Background. All right. This is getting off. You're distracting me. Okay, that word, receive the Holy Spirit. That word, receive, let's just camp there just for a few seconds. It means to make trial of, to experience. Not to refuse or reject. To admit and receive. To catch at, reach after, strive to obtain. Meaning you don't have it all yet and you got to go. Like you, you get as much as you want. I mean, I don't mean like you say you want, you get as much as you really want. And if you really want something, you keep going until you get it. To claim, procure for oneself, to make one's own, to receive a person, to give him access to oneself, to take in order to to carry away or perhaps to be carried away. I want you to leave this room today the same that you walked in. 
That would be a travesty when the power of the Holy Spirit is ready. It's like a, you know, when you ever like have those parties where there's balloons hanging from the ceiling, we'll pull the rope. Let's get the balloons out. You know, they're no good on the ceiling. So, all right. Thanks, Sean. Now I want you to walk into work tomorrow. I want you to go back home today different than you are. I want you to like go in the spirit. In fact, maybe the spirit could take you there and could be in control and, and could be in charge of you. I, I, you know, I grew up in the trades world. And so there's always this thing as a Christ follower in the trades world. Cause you know, people are like cussing and swearing and dropping F bombs all the time. And there's this tendency to be pulled into the behavior and culture of the world to try to fit in or to try to get something or to try to be respected or something or climb this corporate ladder by tearing somebody down. I mean, somebody, if you work in an office, your office politics are terrible. It's what office people do because they don't actually do any work. <laughs> Having said that, I just talked to my office staff and I'm like, hey, y'all realize we work in offices now. So it's this idea of like, I, when I'm in there, I, to climb a ladder, to matter, I'm going to try to be a part of, I want you to the next room you walk into or to walk into your house. I'm, I'm tired of the room changing you. I'd like you to change the room, but not you and your little gifting. I mean, the Holy ghost, like you walk in and something changes, the atmosphere changes in the room and you're like, yeah, no, we don't need to joke about that. Now, you know, I mean, and not in a religious weird way, because there's the other side of that too. There's like the carnal side of life. And then there's like the religious stupid side of life that are like, y'all are going to hell, Sarah. And Sarah's like, like, you seem happy about that. Like, wait, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, those old cranky religious people with no Holy Ghost. And they're just like, ah, you're going to hell. You know? It's like, why are you so, why are you smiling? You know, like, that seems weird. Rather than just loving people into heaven, you know. Now, but you got to, you got to stop being confident um, in yourself. Peter was confident in himself and it backfired. Yourself, I mean, and this is all that we hear today. Like, be confident in yourself. Trust in yourself. By the time I was 12, like myself and, and the baptism of the Holy spirit is for your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So your mind and your desires really, and your emotions, God, Jesus is like, Oh no, no, I can redeem all of those. I can like take the old thing and burn it down and give you a whole new mind, a whole new heart and a whole new set of desires, you know, from the inside out, the power of the Holy spirit. That's what it's for the baptism of the soul. By the time I was 12, my soul had tried to kill me Hundreds of times, you know, if you have boys, if you have girls, it's just psychological warfare. It's a little different. You know, I have four daughters and I'm like, wow, this is personal. You know, <laughs> boys are trying to kill their bodies and the furniture. And so when I was a boy, I was probably maybe 14. Well, okay. When I was 12, when I was eight, you know, the solution to yard sealing, uh, your bike on, a jump was just to go faster. Like, you know, the problem is we're not going fast enough. The jump's not tall enough. Like, let's go. And all you girls are like, that doesn't make any sense. And that's why you're not on fail army videos. <laughs> so when I was like, you know, when I was 14, you know what we used to do? Cause we could ride a scooter legally, like a little 50 CC scooter, which you can still do by the way. I don't know if you know this, you know, legally ride a, f my, my kids got one, but we used to, they did, they don't do what we did. Cause they don't have the guts <laughs> is that we used to take a 22 rifle and wrap it in a deer skin and just set it on the ground. So it's sticking up like this and hold it with our knees and ride through town with it because we had to get it from our house yeah. to where we can shoot stuff. Yeah. Right. And I was just like, Oh man, I hope the cops don't find me. 
You're like, you're riding with his rifle sticking out. This guy was like, keep putting the deer skin on it. And uh, <laughs> we, we'd rode out, and this is what we used to do. Because this is, this is, I learned not to trust myself after stuff like this. We would put a penny in a fence post and shoot it from less than a foot away. Because if you're further away, it's hard to hit a penny. You know, you're, you're, a, little, you're a little nervous, and here's why. Here's why. And some of you ladies are like, where does the bullet go? And that's a great question. So you'd hit it, but like if you miss it, then you waste a bullet. That's not good. Yeah. So we're not wasteful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or the penny will fall and you can't find it. That's no good at all, right? Because it looks super cool when you hit it with a bullet. So we would line it up there and then we would shoot it. And then the bullet would ricochet and go zinging past our ears, you know. And we'd be like, whew, that was close. And then we chamber another round in there and put another penny in there and <laughs> line it up there. <laughs> <laughs> one time, one, one time at RCMP, guy comes by, rolls his window down, and he goes, "Hey boys, you think you're a bit close to the road?" And we're like, we look over, and he's on the the main ring road <laughs> around town, and this is how close we are. We're just like in the ditch right there, and we're like, "Oh, <laughs> okay." That's why you're the RCMP, and we're the kid with the rifles, <laughs> you know. We used to, and I think I'm the one who came up with this. In the neighborhood when I was a kid, uh, everybody had a bow and arrow. All the boys had bows and arrows anyways. And uh, I don't remember a lot of adult supervision. I think it was, they were like, you know what? Let nature weed out the idiots. You know, we need to keep society somewhat pure. And so I came up with this one. And now I don't think, I, you know, can you even buy a bow and arrow? Probably not. You know, got to bubble wrap the kid, got to bubble wrap the bow and arrow, you know. And so I came up with this. I'm like, let's shoot the arrows as high as we can in the air, you know, in our yards. And then we'll dare each other to stand under there. And whoever can stand there and the arrow lands closest to them wins. So, try, you know, go home and try it. It'd make the national news now, you know, like. Like an arrow's about that big, 100 feet in the air. And we're like. You're like, oh, and then you start getting nervous. You start looking at your buddy to see who's going to bail for the nearest tree. And uh, you had a lot of kids with arrows in their heads and missing eyes, you know. Surprisingly, no. But I remember one time I shot it, and I couldn't find the arrow. I looked all over the yard. couldn't find the arrow. Finally, I went across uh, the street on the other side of my house. I went across the street, and Seth, the neighbor boy, was had my arrow and he was smashing it on the ground and I was livid. Like that arrow cost me a dollar seventy five. And sometime later in my life, I'm like, oh, that could have been in him. I'm like, this isn't good. Girls, can I just help out? Can I just give you a little marriage counseling, girls? Will you be careful? No, I'm just gonna I'm gonna help you out. When you look over and your husband is, you think he's deep in thought and you're like, what are you thinking about right now? And he goes, oh my goodness. And he says like nothing. Like don't go digging for more. He's not, he's not lying. He's telling you the absolute truth. He, for, he forgot, he forgot about you. He's not thinking about anything. And you're like, oh no, I feel like, I feel like he's maybe hurt. Maybe I hurt him. You can apologize and we'll be like, okay. Like, guys, if your wife ever apologizes to you, just take it, man. You're going to need those points at some point. You don't know what they're talking about, but just use it, you know. 
One time I was in the House of Tools, and we were newly married, and I was in the House of Tools, and I'd been in there for about an hour, and I look up, and Pastor Aaron, you know, Aaron is standing in front of me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I totally forgot you were here. We drove into the city 40 minutes together in the same car. And I'm like, I'll just be a minute. And then I go in there, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I forgot I was married. I'm just like, it's just me and the Tools, you know. I'm like, oh, wow, oh. what every newly married wife wants to hear. Like, oh, this is an amazing time of connecting with my husband. And I, we're doing great. Like, I wonder where he is. I should go in and see where he is. Listen, your soul was in full agreement to every stupid thing you've ever done. Your mind was like, this is a great idea. Your heart is like, oh, I totally agree with this. Your desires were like, this is, this sounds great. Let's do every dumb thing you've ever done. And we go back to trusting it. And we go back to like, my, my, my heart doesn't lie. My mind's not wrong. And the, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. It means you can't trust your own heart a lot of the time. It says trust in the Lord. The Bible says it's your hips that don't lie. <laughs> Somebody said that. Pastor Aaron was in a prayer meeting one time and and uh, somebody said, you know, yeah, and the Bible says that when God closes uh, a door, he opens a window. And Pastor Aaron says, the Bible doesn't say that. And she goes, well, it says it somewhere and just carries on. <laughs> like, I had the smallest uh, two-wheeler in town, pedal bike, and I was getting good on it. It had training wheels on it. That's a sermon title today training wheels. I remember I was getting good on it. You remember your childhood. You can only remember like four things. And this is one of them. I remember how angry I was at my dad and my dad and mom are out walking and dad's like, Hey, you're getting pretty good on that. And I'm like, I know (laughs) I was like three or something. I was way too young to be riding a bike, but you know, without a helmet, helmet, I can't feel the breeze in my hair. (laughs) Heads grow back, right? Um, and I was riding this thing and I was good on the balance and my dad comes over and says, Hey, you're doing pretty good. And then he leans over and he kicks the training wheel and the training wheel goes all crooked. And then he kicks the other side and I'm on this bike now and it's like, and I was so angry. I'm just glaring daggers. You know, pastor Richard, where is he? He's probably in the prayer room. I'm just like, Oh, I hate you so much right now. I just... I was getting so good with training wheels, but here's the deal. This series is about got to kick the training wheels a little bit because my dad didn't want a 35 year old grown man with kids riding our bike around with training wheels on it. And, and, and Peter's life, Jesus kicks his training wheels so that he's got to learn how to balance and realize like, Hey, I can't actually do this that well. And so what, what, what happened was eventually I, I got it and I'm like, oh, I had to learn this whole new way of life. And Christian, you might've been in church for 20 years. You're going to have to learn a whole new way of balancing stuff. But I realized the whole purpose is not to live with training wheels forever where everybody's got to tell you what to do all the time. It's like, no, the Holy Spirit ought to be upon you working out from inside of you so that you're bringing something to the party. And everybody's not just like disciplining you all the time. And, and, uh, and I rode the heck out of that. And, and, um, I came home one time and I'm like, mom, 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 I'm so excited. Mom, like, come and see what I did to the neighbors. And uh, if you don't have boys, it, this doesn't mean anything to you. Because if my girls say that, I'm like, oh, they, they probably baked the neighbor's cookies or made a little craft. 
and left it there with a little like, I love you. And my mom's like, oh, what, what has he done? And we're walking down the street and she's like, please, God, don't let it be this particular neighbor. See, everybody's got one of those neighbors, right? My neighbors, Danny and Sheila, like if there's a leaf that falls off a tree, they're out there. Like they got it before it hit the yard. You know, if it's going to snow tomorrow, they're out there right now. Like they're ready to go. Shovels, like here we go. Well, this was this yard, and I walked my mom over to the driveway that, I mean, it was the perfect glass-finished driveway. And with my bike, without training wheels, I had left 15 or 20-foot rubber marks. I came down that street, came around the corner. Then I'm like, yeah, what up? And then I'm like, back out there. 15 or 20 of these, the entire length of the driveway, perfectly spaced. Boom, boom. Now listen, the devil, the devil has been, he's got this perfect little plan to mess up your entire life. He's got this perfect little driveway all planned out to mess with you and make you hurt people. Steal your peace and your joy, get you addicted to stuff. I think it's time that somebody got the training wheels off so you can start marking up his driveway. In your life and in the life of the city and the life of your coworkers and the life of your family and your sons and your daughters. Now, I have since graduated. I have found out that there are now bikes with motors on them. I have not ridden a pedal bike for years. Why? Because that's for idiots. I have motorcycles. Now I'm sitting on some real power. My first motorcycle was a Suzuki, I want to say GS400 or something. Now, a 400 isn't that big. You can't get in too much trouble. It's good when you're stupid. To, you know, I did a, got a 140, 145, did a speed wobble one time, scared me at 140, 45 kilometers an hour. So that was good to work out your stupid. Then I, I got, my next bike was a 900 Street Triple Yamaha, which was a lot quicker. And then I got an 1100 Ducati, and then I got a 1200 Ducati with about 150 horse on that thing, and I couldn't keep that thing under 150, so I had to sell it. And then I thought, you know, and here's how you're like, oh, pastor must make a lot of money. No, I save a lot of money because I've gone through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. I still make less than I made when I was in the trades world 15 years ago, which we're starting in January. You want to get your finances in order? God is tired of you being struggling with finances. It's not what you make, it's what you spend. So anyways, um. So this past summer, you know what I thought was a good idea? I'm like 1,200. I bought myself a Triumph Rocket 3 because I can. It's got 2,500 cc's. It has the engine of a car in it. I can leave black marks from here to Crossfield if I want. I roll up on that thing. It doesn't matter how little of a guy I am. My bike is big. The engine on that bike is terrifying. I roll up. It is instant respect. It is the devil is scared of me wherever I go. And what we're going to do today is swap out your little GS 400 pedal bike training wheel, whatever garbage you got on there. You need when you show up to work, the devil ought to be nervous when you get there because you're sitting on more power than you know what to do with. Now, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, though, Peter's just a regular guy with good moments and bad moments. God wants to take like you and supercharge you, but then it's not going to be about you. It's really going to be about the bike. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Now the Holy spirit kicks the training wheels off, installs an engine 
in the, in the upper room, and it, they spill out in the street. And it's chaos. And it says, then Peter, <laughs> then <laughs> Triumph Rocket 3, Peter. <laughs> this is not the caterpillar riding a two-wheeler with training wheels on anymore. This is a different man. He looks the same, but he's not the same. What you came in here with, there is something that the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit wants to do. If you will respond, that you walk out of here, you mean that the rest of my life is going to be easy? It will not be easy because it's a war that you're going into. But I would rather you go out and fight than go out and be a casualty holding your gun upside down or backwards. Please do not shoot pennies out of fence posts. Somebody here is just like, that's a great idea. I have never, sorry. A guy here is like, that's a great idea. I've never tried that before. I'll just wear like a hockey mask or something. He spills out and shouts to the crowd. Now, listen, this is the same crowd that 50 days before yelled, crucify, crucify. The same people. Like part of this crowd is a, are those people. And he shouts, listen carefully. All of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming, nine in the morning is a bit early. (laughs) And the disciples are like, is he joking? Is he telling jokes right now? These guys can crucify us. (laughs) He's like, it's a bit early, you know. I'm here all night, folks. Try the veal. (laughs) There's something about the Holy Spirit that brings humor, too. You're so worried about what the devil is doing. Do you know that it says that God sits in the heavens and laughs? He's not worried about your situation. He just wants to get you connected to some real power. He sits in the heavens like the nations are a drop in the bucket. He's like, oh my goodness, Canadians, what are you so worried about all the time? He has more than enough power to change everything in your life that needs to be changed. And he says, uh, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Well, now he's going because there's religious professionals like... They literally are relig- they're like pastors and teachers. And now the fisherman is going to educate them about the scriptures that they've spent their whole life studying but not doing. Watch. Theology comes from experiencing what God wants to do. It's not there to tell God what he's allowed to do. You can tell God what he's allowed to do. I don't know what God that is. You probably need to get saved if you know what I'm talking about. In the last days, he says, he's like, guys, you've been reading the scripture. This is what's happening. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, God says. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Listen, Canada, we're like in a one-year window of crazy moral garbage. I'm like, hey, just find happiness any way you can. Okay. Peter's like, guys, this is what the prophet is speaking about. It's for your children. It's for you. It's for the old men. It's for... Everybody, we got to start thinking bigger than that. The scriptures are like, no, 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 it's so much bigger than that. He says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. Watch this. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Now, without the Holy Ghost, they're like, we'll nail you to a cross too because we still know how to make them. Come on. 
The Holy Spirit, when you walk into it, something changes. You come in with the spirit and power of the living God. You're not you anymore. It says, it says, they, they warned the, the early disciples, like, hey, you've got to stop preaching in this name. And they're like, well, you tell us what we should do, if we should make you happy or if we should make God happy. And they said they knew they had been with Jesus, these fishermen. There's something about them. They knew they had been with Jesus. There's this power. This is. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. God raised Jesus from the dead. We're all witnesses of this. Now this is what it starts to, to, to do in your job site. It's like... <laughs> He starts pulling other people into this. And he's like, John was there, and James was there. I see Mary. I see you. And everybody's like, no, man. It's like, not us. It's like, I see the other Christian kids in my school. Hey, you're a Christ follower. Let's go. Hey, we got a Christian club going on here. New, like, we got a Bible study happening. Let's go. Like, we got stuff to do. We got, we're the light of the world. We're the light of the school. Why are we we're hiding it under a basket? That doesn't even make any sense. Everybody else's bulbs are super dim. Let's go. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. Just as you see in here today. Next week is a bonus episode about speaking in tongues. It's going to be awesome. Release the snakes. Sorry, Sorry, it's a cult thing if you don't know what that is. It's crazy, man. Things are going to get crazy. So let everyone in Israel, Peter says, no, <laughs> good luck recovering from that. No, for certain. I'm here all night. Try the veal. Um, no, for certain that Jesus, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words. Now, Jesus' hands and feet were pierced because that was God's plan. But Peter's words pierced their hearts. Watch this. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? You want a heart change in your home? You know the best way to get that? And somebody else? You get the Holy Spirit. You're like, oh, yeah, I know somebody who needs this, my husband. God's like, you need it. You need it. That's the best way to get to him. Peter replied, and my hips don't lie. Do you see that? (laughs) Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Then, and that word means and also, like we're not stopping there though, guys. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That word receive means to make trial of, to experience, not to refuse or reject. To admit, receive, to catch out, reach after, strive to obtain, to claim, procure for oneself, to make one's own, to receive a person, give him access to oneself, to take in order to carry your weight, or maybe in this case, to be carried away by. And then, and then some of the old church people will say like, well, Pentecost was a one-time thing. Or like Pentecost isn't for everybody. It's just for whomever God chooses. Okay, well, Peter says... Um, this promise is to you, to your children. Some of them are like, I don't even have kids yet. He's like, for them too. For those who are far away. You know what he's saying here? Everybody that the Lord Jesus has called. The Lord Jesus has already died for their sins. Your brother, who you're trying to get to church, Jesus has already died for them. There is forgiveness waiting for them. Everybody the Lord has called, he has called everybody to be saved. When you, you know what I'm saying? Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000. What would you do if 3,000 more people showed up? I mean, some of y'all can't find parking because you get to church late anyways. Oh, shots fired. Oh, wow. You hear that? Somebody said something. 
There are a lot of guys yelling stuff. I don't know who that was. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon in May 20, 28, uh, 1882 preached a sermon called The Indwelling and Outflowing of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to read you an excerpt of this for a couple minutes. His text is John 7. Jesus says, He that believes on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. And what do you think that word receive means? To make trial of, to experience, not to refuse or reject. He says, you see, there's a distinct promise made to the children of God. That their Heavenly Father will give them the Holy Spirit if they ask for his power. For that promise is made to be extremely strong by the cases joined to it. If there's a promise that God can break, which there is not, this is not the promise. For God has put it in the most forcible and binding way. I do not know how to show you its wonderful force. Did you ever hear of a man who, when his child asked for bread, gave him a stone? Go to the worst part of London, and will you find a man of that kind? You shall get among pirates and murderers, and when a little child cries, Father, give me some food, does the most wicked father fill his own little one's mouth with stones? Yet the Lord seems to say that this is what he would be doing if he were to deny us the Holy Spirit when we ask him for his necessary working. He would be like one who gave his children stones instead of bread. Do you think the Lord will ever bring himself down to that? But he says, how much more shall your father give the Holy Spirit? He makes it a stronger case than that of an ordinary parent. The Lord must give us the Spirit when we ask him, for he has in this bound himself by no ordinary pledge. He's used a simile which would bring dishonor on his own name and that of the very grossest kind if he did not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Oh, then let us ask him at once with all our hearts. Am I not so happy as to have this audience in this audience some who will immediately ask? I pray that some who have never received the Holy Spirit at all may now be led while I am speaking to pray, Blessed Spirit, visit me, lead me to Jesus. But especially those of you who are the children of God, to the, you this promise especially is made. Ask God to make you all that the Spirit of God can make you. Not only a satisfied believer who is drunk for himself, but a useful believer who overflows the neighborhood with blessing. He said, I see here a number of friends from the country who have come to spend their holiday in London. What a blessing it would be if they went back to their respective churches overflowing, for there are numbers of churches, there are numbers of churches that need flooding. They're dry as a barn floor, and little dew ever falls on them. Oh, that they might be flooded. What a wonderful thing a flood is. Go down to the river, look over the bridge, and see the barges and other craft lying in the mud. All the king's horses and all the king's men cannot tug them out to sea. There they lie, dead and motionless as the mud itself. What shall we do with them? What machinery can move them? Do we have a great engineer who can devise a scheme for lifting these vessels and bearing them down to the river's mouth? It cannot be done. Wait until the tide comes in. What a change. Each vessel walking on the water like a thing of life. What a difference between low tide and high tide. You cannot stir the boats when the water is gone, but when the tide is at its full, see how readily they move. A child may push them with his hand. Oh, for a flood of grace, may the Lord send to our churches a great spring tide. Then the indolent will be active enough, and those who are half dead will be full of energy. I know in this particular dock, several vessels are lying that I should like to float, but I cannot move them. They neither work for God nor come out to prayer meetings, nor give of their substance to spread the gospel. If the flood would come, you would see what they are capable of. They would be active, fervent, generous, abounding in every good word and work. So may it be. So may it be. May springs begin to flow in all our churches. 
And may all of you who hear me today get your share of the streams. Oh, that the Lord may now fill you and then send you home bearing a flood of grace with you. It sounds oddly to speak of a man carrying home a flood within him. And yet I hope it will be so. And that out of you shall flow rivers of living water. May God grant it so for Jesus' sake. Amen. I would invite you, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, get out of your seat. Try to get to the front. Let's go and get more of the Holy Spirit.